We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Welcome to the J podcast. I am your host, Jahans Maniga, a.k.a. 12, a.k.a. Canadian Red Bull. I got a great guest with me today, but before we get into all that, make sure to like and subscribe, share the Field of 68 Media Network. At this point, man, I'm just tired of seeing it. You guys should have been doing it already. Share it with your friends, share it with your, uh, with your family. You know, it's just me talking about Jay's basketball the college, the campus that I love the most, obviously. Let's get into it, man, because the Jays on this two-game winning streak, I'm feeling really good about it. How much a difference a week makes is unbelievable in this college basketball landscape. So let me make sure that I do the right thing and introduce the guest that we have who literally needs no introduction. Is he a fan favorite? Absolutely. Is he a Blue Jay ambassador? You already know. Is he also a Creighton podcaster? You better believe it. He is the pride of Massachusetts. Can I say Skur, Skur, Jordan Scurry? Welcome to the podcast, bro. D. Hey, man. I will say, I, I look forward to coming on here because, like, the introductions <laughs> are unparalleled. That introduction, like, I'm never going to get an introduction. Where else am I going to go that I'm going to get an introduction like that? So, hey, you, appreciate you. You, you know, I'm happy here, to be here. For sure. Oh, you, you know, I'm back here. You got all the intros out here. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere, man. I'll be here for years. Don't worry. But good to be back with you, man. For all of you looking at the video feed today, look at the background that my man Scurry just pulled up. Man. We back, baby. Greatest place on earth. Greatest place on earth, baby. I need to honestly put that as my background because I, one, that makes me miss Omaha so much. And then two, seeing you right on the edge of the mall, like I feel like that is. See, it's funny you you say that. Jordan right there. It's funny you say that because I have, I actually have a few backgrounds for this, right? Because, you know, I do Scary in the Scrub with my guy, Matt Marina. Shout out to Scrub. Hell yeah. We do our podcast. And sometimes we have videos, sometimes not. Because, like, especially, like, 
even most recently the Yukon game, I was driving back. So like I had to do it from the car, but usually mm -hmm. when we do video, I had the, you know, like this is my favorite, like I think area of the campus, like to really like make it. Cause it, this is like the only campus campus area. I think you can identify, Oh, this is Crayon. And right. I had one from like, it was a spring photo. You could tell it was like the spring flowers in the back and all that. And Matt and I obviously start recording our preseason podcast in like August, September. And I had thrown one on and he was like, man, that doesn't look like the fall in Omaha. And I was like, you know what? All right, let me go find the background. So this one works. <laughs> so I'm glad you appreciate it because this, yep. is, this is the one I had to, I had to really get Matt to like tag along with and say like, this was approved. So I'm glad you like it. That's good. You need, you need an approval for a background from Matt? Well, I, I wouldn't say I need an approval, but, you know, I'm just trying to make the, you know, the viewers happy. I'm trying to make gotcha. sure everyone, you know, catches the vibe. So I figured this is the one. And so now that I got the approval from 12 himself, we're going to rock with this one. That's the one, not the two. And I failed to mention this. You already 12 guests on our season three, which it has to be 12 and 12. 12 recognized 12, and you look very familiar with all, bro. <laughs> Man, I like, we should start this. I like this 12th episode of the season for both of us to have 12 on. I like this. It's a good thing we got going. I love it too. And one of my favorite things about you for sure, obviously like you're just, you're a good guy. You bring such positive vibes. Anybody that's gotten to know you over the years definitely know that. But I remember when you're thinking about switching your number and you hit me up, you're just like, hey bro, like I'm thinking about going to 12. Like you think I should take that number? I'm just like, yo dude, Bro, yes, absolutely. If there's anyone that I would love to wear my number, it would be someone like you for sure, who the fans love. Like, that was definitely a big thing for me, who's an absolute team player, which is another big thing for me. I just felt like you represented the number just as well as I did. So, bro, it's just, it's so good to see you. It's so good to have you on the podcast. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to get into it a little bit later, but let's just go ahead and start what we're here to do, for real, for real. Let's get it. Bro. So, the Jays. I, I don't even know what to say because like I said in the open, what a difference a week makes. Last week we had Ross Farini on the podcast and we talked about their two-game losing streak and he kept the hope alive talking about all these advanced analytics, the stuff that we're doing so well that, you know, doesn't necessarily show on the scoreboard, but it just hasn't benefited the Jays so far. We saw it kind of go that way these last couple of games, obviously beating a tough Providence team at home first and foremost. And then last night winning 73-52 to 52 on the road against Butler. Lots of good contribution from the starting five. Ryan Namhard led the way with 12 points, 11 rebounds for the Jays starting point guard. Uh, Baylor added 12 as well. Big Kalki and Trey added 11 apiece. Uh, Arthur Kaluma with nine points. And then my favorite part of it all, we got 18 points off the bench. Thank Huge. you, Lord. We've been yeah. waiting for this. Listen, Skr, Skr, I know this is something that in your podcast you've also had conversation with Matt about. I want to get your initial reaction, obviously, about the overall uh, game, how it unfolded. But then I want you to dive deep a little bit more about, like, your thoughts about the lack of bench scoring and what we saw last night, which was honestly kind of a complete 360 with, you know, what we have seen previously up to this point. Right. Like, I think to your initial point, I think, like, a big thing, and even Max was saying it, right, is, like, you guys give up on this team, but like, don't think it's a good idea to yet. Right. I definitely think they're starting to hit a stride. And I think this is the time of year. And I know you can speak to it too. Just in my experience, like we've been really like in just my experience at Creighton, like we've been really good at this point. 
But what does being really good at this point in the season do for you? You know, I don't think it really does all too much because I've we've, I've had teams where we peaked in January or before January, whatever it might be. Um, and I, I think it's just like this this year has obviously been a roller coaster, right? Like I think coming into the season with the expectations we had and the way it going, obviously a roller coaster. But I think, hey, now it's at the point where we got to stick it out. You got to stick it out to the end and like see what this team can do. And as they figure it out, like these couple months are going to be crucial. And I think if we can get rolling by the time it's the end of the season, that's going to pay dividends. Like, and we're not going to remember the parts of the season this year that were, you know, the, I guess the lows, if we can turn it around now, obviously like the past two games are giving us a lot of confidence, but I think there is a lot of signs that, point that we're going in the right direction so i'm excited to see how they can keep this up and if they will keep it up for sure the issue for me necessarily isn't necessarily about like you know peaking too early or whatever the case may be because we all know especially in this college basketball world that teams who peak at quote unquote the right time which is like late february heading into their conference tournament heading into March Madness. Like, for example, like one of the biggest examples of this, and Ross mentioned it last week when he was on uh, on the show, shout out to Ross for one more time, was that UConn team with Kemba Walker, where they were kind of struggling around January and February. All of a sudden, they turn it up a notch right before Big East tournament. They go on that improbable back in the day when the Big East tournament was like, what, like seven games that you have to win in order to win the whole thing, right? Yep. So they, they go in from opening night in the Big East tournament win four or five to win the entire tournament, then win another, uh, what is it, five games, six games to win the NCAA tournament, end up being national champions. But if you ask them in middle January, like that is not at all the projection for that team. So uh, like, I, I definitely agree with you when it comes to that. But I also think there's something about this steady improvement of a team going on. And, and we just haven't seen that from the Jays because of all of the, you know, the the injuries, the sickness, the players yeah. who are in and out of the lineups. And I, I'm so glad that you mentioned what Coach Max said about don't count this team out because I remember a couple post-game uh, press conferences ago, he said something along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm not going to panic until I see my full roster not playing well. And I think that bodes well for the players. That definitely gives them a ton of confidence, but also the coaching staff and the fans kind of can take a deep breath and be like, you know what, you're right. Like, Kalki missed a couple of games. Like, we weren't right when he was back. It takes a little while to get back into the groove of things, and it just kind of seems like hopefully the Jays can kind of get into the groove of things. Is that is that a little bit of what you mean when you say, you know, you've been on teams that peaked maybe too early in the season? A hundred percent. hundred percent. Because I think to, like, your earlier point, right, like, you want to see you want to see that constant increase. And I think what's frustrating about this team is we're not seeing that. But I think this team's giving us, like, regardless of not having that constant increase, this team's giving us a lot of reason to believe that they will still be okay come March. But I I don't think, and I'm actually curious to what your thoughts are on it, I I don't think this team has put together, because, like, what Matt and I talked a lot about a couple years ago, like, in the first year, like, first season that we were doing this, Marcus Zagorowski year, right, is Mm. we were talking about, we talked about basketball nirvana, right? Like we made the funny little, uh, I guess, comparison there to when a team's like basically just saying clicking on all cylinders, right? Mm-hmm. I really don't think like, cause I have to think as far back as to like Maui, 
to think of when I think I saw this team really clicking on all cylinders. Yeah, we've had some big wins like at home throughout the course of the season, but I don't think those were like we were clicking on all cylinders. So I think it's actually exciting. I'm more encouraged to see like if this team can start clicking on all cylinders and like think about it. Have you do you think there's a game we put together like everyone you've seen like on the roster like that was a complete game like we put together a complete game where either it was a close game or a blowout that we were able to put together and it really felt like we like actually imposed our will that is the Creighton office that is the max system that is the talent of all these guys I don't think we've put one of those games together yet and so I'm encouraged I guess I'm encouraged that we haven't but I'm also little bit worried that we haven't at this point in the mm-hmm. season so we'll, we'll see I'm, I'm i'm i guess it's just really like not seeing that constant increase as of yet yeah it's cause for concern but i think there's still a ton of upside for this team yeah i guess i would have to look back at like the beginning of maui you know like being a beating a tough uh arkansas team yeah like a really tough arkansas team like full of draft eligible players on that Arkansas team. Oh yeah. And again, that was a that was a close game for sure. But as far as the entire roster clicking all cylinders, no, I haven't seen that yet because again, like at that point we were heavy reliant on our starting five, which we still are. Like no doubt about it, we still are. Uh one of the things that Toby Hagner when he was on the podcast, shout out Toby, mentioned a ton was just the bench production, which is why I was so excited to see them, you know, especially we got a Fred King signing that we hadn't seen since Kalki was out and he was, you know, kind of thrown into the fire, did really well. I think he's still kind of trying to find his way on this team because he was asked to do something. Now he's being asked to pull back a little bit more. So it was great to see him kind of, you know, get his rocks off last night a little bit, so to speak. But at the same time, like as far as like a full team performance where the guys coming into the game are also as effective or at the very least, as important as the guys who just came out. I don't think we've seen that just yet. And yeah, it is cause for concern, but on the bright side, it is something that we could still kind of build towards. And when it happens, when we start to click on quote unquote, all cylinders, like you mentioned, I still believe that this is one of the most talented teams that Mac has put on the floor. And you have to get behind that at some point in the season. And, and I don't think there's any better point to do so than, than right now. Yeah, I just I want them to make us get behind it. Like I want them to like really yeah. impose their will. And I think to the point you brought up, because like and especially I want to clarify, like when I'm saying clicking on all cylinders, I'm not saying like Farabello needs to come in and give us 30. Oh, like I'm just <laughs> Yeah, like I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is like I've yet to see because you definitely remember like in your time, right? Like, and especially your yeah. role, you're a great person to talk about this specifically with is right. Like you probably remember games where you scored what, like nine points, but you were like, yo, I killed today. Like mm-hmm. I killed, like I was a star in my role today. I'm yeah. waiting for this team. I'm going to be very encouraged when this team puts together a game where I am encouraged by every player that plays in the game. Like I still mm-hmm. haven't had that for them yet. And, and, and that's why I like, I'm seeing signs of it even last game, right? Like we talk about Fred King, I think even when Fred King plays the way he does, and I thought it was inspiring, like from where I was sitting on a couch in Boston, Massachusetts, right? Because of just the energy he came in with, yep. the way he was I, moving his feet, I love his, his attitude. So I love his bro. attitude. I love I his love attitude. Because like he comes in with the right demeanor, and I mm-hmm. think that's like a lot of what we're talking about here. Like I think this team needs to figure out like 
especially when guys come in the game. And because, you know, especially as a six man, like it's situational. Right. So like mm-hmm. some games you need to come in and you need to be the Canadian rebel, give that energy. You need to like get the guys going. Some yeah. games you need to come in and you need to just hold the defense down. Like you need to make sure right. guys are getting back. You need to monitor certain things. So I think with this team, it's guys figuring out the balance of that. Like, do I need to come in the game and make sure things stay the way they are? Do I need to come in the game and bring a spark? Do I need to be scoring? Do I need to just really be focusing on like hitting open shots and playing defense? Like if you're someone like me, but so it's just really like about knowing that role and then like actually perfecting it. And I think that's where our bench scoring is going to come in and like, these guys understandings of like what they're actually being called upon for when they get in the game. So I think they're all figuring it out. It's hard with lineups, like even Fred King, like I'm talking about now, he's just figuring it out where he's going to be the one like to actually inspire Kalkbrenner to come back out. Like if Fred King goes out there and kills like last game, I think it's a great example of, yo, Kalkbrenner sees on the bench, Fred King is killing. Yeah. The expectation is you got to go in there thing. and do yep. the same thing, if not raise <laughs> yeah. that, Better. right? Yep. You're the starter, so you got to go back in there and raise that. So I think these guys are really figuring out how to help motivate each other and how mm-hmm. that's going to work for the rest of the year. So I think they are figuring some things out, and I think, like, just seeing the, like, attitude and looks on their faces, like, yeah, it's just, just taken till now to figure some things out with getting guys back healthy, with figuring out certain lineups, with understanding now how – guys playing where they want the ball yeah i i think i'd yeah i'm definitely cut more half full than empty at this point we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, I'm definitely cut more half full than today <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you and me both, brother. You and me Man, both. I, I want to go back to Fred King real quick because we talked about his attitude and just his demeanor when he got onto the floor last night. And, you know, he is, most would say, an uh, inexperienced player just because not only he's a freshman, but he just hasn't been playing basketball at this competitive level for a really long time, obviously. And I just feel like he just hasn't learned to bottle that quite yet and to be able to lean on that and rely on that on a game-in, game-out basis. But again, it, it is a learning curve. It is a process, right? And, and we hope that, you know, he can bring an attitude like he did last night because I just felt like even when he made, like, early mistakes uh, in his first stints, 
he just never put his head down, which is something that I've seen him kind of do these past couple of games, just because he's trying to figure out his way. You know, like we've all been freshmen before. We we all feel the woe is me kind of mentality. Like, oh, I can't do anything right. And everyone's on me. I just feel like last night he shook that off. And he was just like, you know what? While I'm in here, I'm going to make an impact on this game. And kudos to Matt for, you know, realizing that and throwing him back again into the fire. And we saw that in that second stint when he got back in, he was a lot more product- productive than that first one. He's had, you know, kind of a weird freshman year. Again, like with Kalki being sick, we all know that he's the big dog. Obviously, he's going to be the starter. Uh, when you come in as a backup, you kind of like figure out that setting of, of right. how you need to come into the game. But all of a sudden, he got thrown into the fire. He was super successful. He got freshman of the week for that week. Uh, and then he's been asked to be pulled back again. If you were in the locker room with Fred, what kind of advice would you give him as far as what his approach should be? You know, what he should be looking at when he's off the floor watching the game? And just overall, like how he can help this this team get better down the stretch. That's a great one, but I'm not going to let you trap me there. Like if I was in the locker room, because I don't know him, so I don't know how I would talk to him yet. But fair, I would tell you fair. off of off of because it, it actually leads into my next point. Just off of what I've seen, like because like I said before, so I was at the UConn game, right? And mm-hmm. I went with a group of friends just from work, and they were asking me about Fred King when he stepped in the game because Cal picked up a couple early fouls. And which kind of like was difficult for us that game, right? But I would even say the difference between the UConn game to yesterday against Butler at Butler was when he subbed in in the UConn game, like you could tell he was out there. And I don't know if he, this is again, because I don't know if he was hurt. He had a huge like hamstring wrap on that game. I was like, oh, my man's like, it looked concerning how thick his hamstring wrap was. I was like, I don't even know if I'd play with that big of a hamstring wrap. But anyway, mm-hmm. he was out there. And I think, like, his mentality when he went out there at UConn was like, all right, let me not mess this up. Let me just, like, not – let me just – let me try to, like, just play good defense, emulate what Big Calc was doing out here before me, and just not mess this up. Which Yesterday – You and I both know coming in with the I don't oh, want to mess up mentality. Uh, that's is, a, that's and, so freshman. That's so freshman. Man, yeah. That's the most <laughs> yeah. freshman thing. Right. And I, like, I get that. But that's to my like to the point I was about to make is just that it's crazy to see again, like you said it before, but it's crazy to see how much can change in a week. And the UConn game was obviously like a little over a week, but like it's crazy how much can change in a week because last night, again on the road, like he was at UConn at Butler, again on the road, but that looked like a whole different player, man. Like that looked right. Fred King last night looked like he was not coming in just to, you know, hold down the fort till Ryan Kalkbrenner got in. He looked like a guy who was out there to change up the way the game was played a little bit to benefit his team, right? Like, because right. I think there's – and I think he's starting to figure it that figure that out, which is super, super good and positive on our end, is that he's realizing, okay, here's what I do different. I don't know if it's film he's watched or some coaches have said to him, or even just like you said, hasn't been hooping for a minute. So, like, I haven't been hooping for a while, so he's figuring a lot of things out. And I think that just Biggie's schedule is the best experienced teacher that he can have, like mm-hmm. understanding what that schedule looks like, what a couple of row games look like for you having to play over X amount of minutes, right? I think he's really figuring out, oh, here's what my impact is when Ryan's out the game. Here's what I can do that Ryan can't do. Like, here's the little, here's the way I can like run a big, like that was just tired from Ryan being in the game and him running. Here's how I yeah. can get, 
an advantage on him. Here's where I can like even his footwork last night. He made a crazy post move. I think it was in like the first five minutes of the second half. And I was like, oh, no, he's here to play. Like he's really right. like establishing his presence rather than just being there as like, you know, a big until Ryan Kalkbrenner gets back in the game. Like he's like, no, you, you got to mess with me now. Like you got to really guard me now. So mm-hmm. I like that. I like that coming on of him. Uh, and so I'm, it's inspiring to see. I think it's, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say, I want to see from everybody on the roster, uh, even though a lot of the other bench guys, cause I think that's really what's going to ultimately lead to our success. If we're going to, you know, roll into a biggie championship here in March. Another thing that we definitely have to look forward to as far as how successful the Jays are going to be is their defense, which I thought last time was pretty stellar, even though we know that Butler is not necessarily known for filling up the scoreboard, but I thought the Jays definitely were in tune with what they needed to do defensively. Lots of good rotations, lots of challenge shots, uh, and then obviously limiting the offense to one possession, getting that defensive rebound to be able to run it up the floor, where we saw obviously Nemhard really excel last night with grabbing those 11 rebounds, which at first, like the first four minutes, I, I as I was watching, just like, wait, I think Ryan Loki has like four rebounds already. And, like, I don't know why I was kind of, like, paying attention to that, but oh. it wasn't until the end of the game that I was like, oh, my guy was literally, like, he made a point that I'm going to be in the scuffle tonight. I'm going to get these defensive rebounds. I'm going to help out our team in that way. Uh, I know you got a lot to say about Ryan Emhart, but I definitely have to ask you first, you know, like, defensively against Xavier, against um, UConn, some of the bigger teams in the conference, we saw the Jay struggle a little bit. Is a game like like last night a little bit more, like, uh, let's say, like, inspiring or what's the word that I'm looking for here? Like, is that a thing that Jays fans could look around and be like, you know what, that is what a calling card should be, and the Jays are just kind of rounding into form when it comes to their defensive play? Well, I, I'm going to actually, I'm going to bounce a question back to you. Mm-hmm. See, how, how, how many hours do you think they spent with the plug in the room between last game and this game? Or with a plug practice. in the room? With the, with the oh, you guys didn't have that. The plug in the rim. <laughs> you listen, li- listen. You are oh yeah no. Actually, I do remember. But we had the old school one where we had Lou go on a ladder and and, <laughs> so and just put a bar up there. Just put like a crossbar up there so you couldn't make a shot. See, we had we I had took... the old school one. It looked like half of a globe, and literally like every shot that you took was obviously gonna miss. But the globe part would make the ball bounce all weird. So our rebounding drills was oh OD. yeah whenever no. we, whenever we saw like that big reddish orb yep. go yep. on the rim we already like oh man we're about to do some crazy See, i think this is this is bro. generational bonding we're doing right now <laughs> yeah. so ours was orange it was an orange plug yeah. and it was flat so it, it would actually bounce off the rim normally yeah. I anticipate oh, i i yeah. wish yeah. i wish yeah. we had a normal bounce no i we used had to one... all right not oh. to hype myself up not to hype myself up <laughs> But, Let's like, this it. is where I would thrive in practice, right? Mm-hmm. It was because of games, like, it would be games like we play, like, a Providence, and we would not rebound, right? we get out-flexed, out-physical by a Providence. And then, mm-hmm. so the next game, we're spending the whole week with the plug in the hoop, rebounding. Yeah. And I always, because I was I was a big, like, growing up, I grew too fast. I grew, like, I was, I was a center until, like, fifth grade. And so I've always <laughs> had, like, the rebounding, I've always had, like, the rebound. <laughs> knack like hold that's on, why that's... On, skirt did they do the absolute 
club team betrayal is when they throw the tallest kids in the post when they're like yep. seven yeah, years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but this is a different time. This is a different time, man. Uh, we we deriving from the point. So my whole point is I got the rebounding skill from early on. So I was yeah. a really good practice player because I had the offensive rebounding like mm-hmm. mindset that I grew up with from being a center. So that's what helped me in these practices at Crane. I just know that Ryan Nemhard probably watched last game's film, spent a whole week, like spent some time in practice and was like, man, I should be getting way more rebounds than I am. And the whole team for that matter was like, right. oh, if we just like actually crash the boards, hold to our defensive principles, like one man back, everybody else crashed, whatever it might be for that specific game could be two. So I think they really honed in on that. And I think it was a great feeling like, because I think any game, right, like especially as a fan, the more like now I'm realizing rebounds me more as a fan than they do to you. I think when you're playing, because as a fan, mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, security's possessions, security's possessions. <laughs> and I think they realized, though, like I think it was a huge wake up moment for them where they realized, like, OK, if we rebound this way, this aggressively, this results in X amount of more possessions for us. We don't have to struggle as much late in games. We don't have to press certain plays as much as not as much pressure on trying to execute at certain times in games. If we can create, you know, some more possessions for ourselves or just take away possessions from them. And so I think it was, it's, it was definitely a feel good thing last night, like seeing how many rebounds they could get. Um, I just hope it's a, like a constant for them. I hope it's something that internally they realize it's, made a collective effort uh, to make sure that was a thing. So that going forward, it's still a thing. Now talk to me about just their initial defense and their ability to just hold Butler to one shot. And obviously, like you mentioned, be able to get their offense going. Because like you said, like if Ryan Emhart gets a rebound, bro, he's flying the ball up the court and he plays at such an unbelievable pace. Honestly, when I look at him, I'm just like, bro, like how? Like how are you bringing the ball up so quick? And I play with Austin Chapman. Like yeah. Austin was the, the Austin flu. I'm like, but I'm looking at Ryan, and maybe it's just me. Like maybe revisionist history isn't as good for me, but I, I just feel like he plays at a different pace than like the Antoine Youngs and the Austins that I played with. So just talk to me about like just the initial Jays defense, what you saw, their ability to just switch when they had to, uh, challenge shots when they had to, and obviously just limit them to one shot. Hundred percent. I think it's to the point you're getting at. I think it's the ball pressure leads to being able to play with that pace you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I think specifically for Ryan, like when the ball pressure is like actually to the point where guys are struggling to catch the ball, struggling to get open, it creates a lot of hesitancy. Creates a lot of guys like faking back door and then trying to come back and get it, or faking like they're gonna come get it, going back door, ball gets thrown out of bounds, like what, whatever it might be creates turnovers confusion when the ball pressure is there. But I think that ball pressure leads to the the pace of the game, especially that Ryan Nemhard wants to play at, is because I think, again, revisionist history, if you look back, the games he's had, some of the best games have been high turnover games and just games where we've had such good ball pressure because think about it. If you've got to take the ball out, you're walking it out, and then you're getting it into him. He can't like the defense already set up, so he can't play right. at the pace he wants. You create like a bunch of scenarios, and not a bunch even. Like if you're getting steals, it's sometimes only two to three steals, but that's a huge, huge impact in terms of pace. Like if mm-hmm. you can get two to three steals, pick the pace up like that, and he can get going downhill, have his options where he wants to go, and also he plays. He's 
incredible with his touch around the rim playing at such a fast pace. He's got that yeah. ill, that ill right hand extend out layup. Yeah. And he's move. I think what people don't understand too, especially speaking to the viewers here, like I'm a viewer. So like now from this far, when you see him taking those layups, he's moving at a much more faster rate than you think. And so like to mm-hmm. be able to see him get those off and probe his dribble around the paint a little bit more, even in fast breaks, I think it's really that ball pressure that's going to lead to that. And I thought their ball pressure was good yesterday. I think it, I think there's just a little, I guess my biggest critique is like in the Yukon game, the one I was like, I'm, I hate to keep referring to just the game I was at, but I think I got the best up close. Like, <laughs> I mean, the, the games that it, you see live, you just got a right, totally right. different perspective than what you see on TV. Right. So. And I think just in the, for the sake of comparison right now, I think it's the best. And so I think in that game, they may have not had the same amount of ball pressure as they did yesterday because, yes, UConn is more lethal off the dribble, and so you can't pressure them as much. But I mm-hmm. think maybe they should, like, take a closer look at that because when they pressure the ball, man, they're so much better. And I think mm-hmm. it makes every other team – because I don't think teams also come out there expecting Creighton to pressure the ball similarly to they did, the, like, yesterday. So, yeah, I think that's the key to, like, helping their pace for sure. Well, the other thing about ball pressure, too, is just you have to be pretty selective, like you said, like into doing it. Like you got to know who's susceptible to cough it up and who is just going to be able to handle that. So the better decision is to kind of like lay off and allow your defensive principles to just kind of win at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. One thing I definitely wanted to mention when you talk about defensive ball pressure and things of that nature, there's a reason why the Jays are like tops in the entire NCAA in uh, the amount of fouls called against them is because I feel like Coach Mack has really like understood over the years not to play one specific way defensively, Definitely. which can be seen on film and shown to other teams and for them to take advantage of it. I feel like kind of early on in his crane career and I was a part of some of those teams, we would try to impose our will defensively one way specifically and that would maybe come back and bite us in the bottom like just because teams would scout us, they would know, okay, this guy, like, I'm talking about myself, this guy's a little over-aggressive, so if you just sweep <laughs> through his arms, you're going to be able to just Man. make a foul call <laughs> that way. And I think that he's kind of realized, like, okay, like, this is a team that we could get up and after him. Hey, this is a team that maybe we just kind of lay back. They're not going to shoot the three so well. So as long as we limit their driving uh, opportunities, then we'll be fine. Hey, you know what? Let's stop forcing baseline. Let's force middle and let's direct traffic into Ryan Cogbrenner because we have now that defensive weapon. So kudos to Mac for kind of understanding, obviously with experience, uh, how to place his guys defensively. And I think the boys have really, uh, you know, adapted to that. And you saw, you know, the best version of, not the best, but like a really good version of that last night for sure. I kind of want to talk about, you know, Mac in the post game, praising the ball movement too. Like, as I said, in the open, a lot of balanced scoring. Their highest point scorer was 12 points with Ryan Nemhard and uh, Baylor Shireman. Uh, you got 11 from Kalki. You got 11 from Trey. You got nine from Kaluma. You got 18 points off the bench. Uh, that all came together to have a 73-point night. So right there, right below that Godfather's line, which I think is always key for the Jays to reach. I feel like if they reach that hey, Godfather's if, line. If I would have been in there. I saw I saw yesterday they, they, they put him on man Sammy. If they would have put me oh, in, man, we getting, we getting godfathers. We getting godfathers if I would have been in there. But that's beside the point. So Mac was really praising the ball movement in the uh, post game, And uh, what I wanted to ask you is just explain 
to like the listening audience, the viewing audience, like how it feels to be a part of a team. Cause you have definitely been a part of one or a, a couple, to be honest, uh, now that I think about it, I've definitely been a part of, you know, the, my last three years on campus of teams where the ball is just absolutely zooming. Everybody's getting a touch. You feel really good when you catch the ball, whether it's the shoot to drive to oh, set yeah. up a play for the next person. I think fans don't quite understand what that means. I feel like we have a little bit of we, because I'm a fan now, you know, but right? like I feel like we have it's a little crazy. bit of a video game mentality where we think that everybody starts the game at a hundred percent. And that's just not necessarily how it goes. Like, a lot of guys need to kind of build into a game, if you know what I mean. Like, not a lot of guys are able to just go get it. And those guys are absolutely special. Like, the Marcus Fosses of the world, the Doug McDermott's, the Marcus Zagorowski's of the world. I guess if you just name your son Marcus, you'll get one of those. But, like, explain to the fans, like, how important it is for everybody to get a touch, to feel like they're involved. And if the ball is zooming and moving like that, how much better it, it makes, like, team – play and and the assist and all that stuff will go up just because of that well it's energy right like energy is contagious and i think mm-hmm. like especially in the game of basketball when you have five players on the court it's just like for anybody who's ever even played pickup right like just getting to touch the ball in the flow of things right like doesn't mm-hmm. that make you just feel even more in the flow of just what's going on in the offense like i think it's really being able to like just get consistent with that. And it's, it's really just finding a rhythm with the driving kick. Like, I think it's, I think the game, like modern basketball now, like, like, especially at the high D one level and then even NBA level now is all about like the driving kick mismatches. How, like how many mismatches can you create off the driving kick? How many just like, times can you change the side of the floor to get the defense moving? How can you make the defense move in a way that you can exploit it? So I think mm-hmm. that it's just really for this great offense. I think the one play that sticks out to me the most um, was there was a Farabella three right in front of our bench in the second half yesterday that the ball, I think we actually got if the ball moved from side to side of the floor, like probably it went from left to right back to left. And then mm-hmm. I think, the ball got rebound. I think he took one three and got rebounded. He swung it around and then he hit another relocation three after. And I think that speaks volumes of how we were passing the ball yesterday and how we were just finding the open guy rather than like finding a hot hand or anything like that, where it was just like, let's just get the best shot we can get and go from there. And like, I think if that's what the mentality of this team is going forward, Oh, we're in for a treat because like, I just think yesterday, seriously though, yesterday, like was the first time where I noticed on the court, especially in that second half, I think, especially when they established the lead, they were up. I think they did a really good job of saying like, Hey, we're going to try to get the best shot we can here. Don't care who gets it. Just move this thing around. Let's feel it in the flow. And I think they finally started to feel some of that flow and whether it was the bench guys coming in and providing that spark, not really sure, but I just know they figured it out in the second half where they were able to move the ball. Like, I think there was even one possession I saw with like eight passes before like anyone even took a shot. So I think obviously when you can do that and when you know you can do that, when you can exploit that out of a defense, like interest harp on that, it's going to pay off. So I hope that's just like what the identity becomes. Cause I think like that type of just connectiveness is what brings the bench in the game. It's why you have the, what was it, 18 points off the bench? Right. 
why you have the 18 points off the bench. If guys are coming into a game where they feel like the ball is moving like that, that it's like, okay, as long as I'm ready, as long as I'm like prepared right now, good things are going to happen. Like as long as all that like execute, then we're good. And so I think it really just came down to them, like actually trusting in each other and attacking the zone, attacking the man, like all that. So yeah, no, I think as long as that keeps up, we're going to be good to go. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The other part, too, is like we say 18 points off the bench, and that's just kind of it spreads around to all of those guys coming off the bench for sure. But if you look at the box score, we're a little bit deeper. It's eight from Farabello. It's eight from Fred King. It's two from uh, Sharif, right? But that doesn't necessarily include a guy like uh, Mason Miller, who I thought had a really good game defensively, especially. And then he made his presence known on the on the boards. He had six rebounds. That doesn't necessarily get spoken about a lot. But like you mentioned, like the energy of the ball just zooming around. He got a couple of shots up. Okay, he didn't make it. He didn't let that discourage him, though. He dove for a loose ball heading out of bounds. Like you love to see that from your guys coming off the bench. And it's just a matter of time before, you know, the ball finds its way back to him and he's able to, to make positive things out of that, too. So. Yeah, Ben scoring, like, I know it's a thing that we've lamented about, especially on this podcast a little bit this year. And, and it's been tough, too, because we see how productive our starting five can be. And there's a reason why, you know, Coach Mack relies on that starting five so much is because they play really well together. Um, but again, to go back to, like, Toby's point earlier this year, I, I just don't feel that great about guys playing 35 to 38 minutes a game. Uh, especially with such a long season and in such a tough conference as the Big East. So anytime that we can get some positive uh, outcome from our bench boys, like I'll I'll definitely take it in. 18 points is as good as we've gotten all year long for sure. Uh, Let's kind of move on a little bit to what the Jays have moving forward. Uh, They got a little bit of a break before they welcome St. John's next week into the CHI Health Center. And then after that, they got Xavier, that good rematch that I think we've all been waiting for. The Jays oh, were yeah. right there, nip and tuck game with Xavier on the road. So let's see what they could do against them at home. Let's not overlook St. John's, though, first. I know you've had a chance, obviously. Um, I love the fact that you're back on the East Coast and you get oh, to catch yeah. a lot more of these games and everything. Uh, what are your expectations for the Jays' next game against St. John's, even though it is basically still a week away from today? I will say you love it, but I hate it because like I have to I, I have to deal with St. John's, UConn, Providence. There's no such thing as a Georgetown fan, thank God. Seton Hall. I gotta deal with all of them coming out at me right now. Like it's bad, man. Like yeah. it's bad. Especially like when we had the losing streak when Calc was out, right? You yeah, know, I, I was hearing all because I went on Scurry in the Scrub and I had we had a fraud alert last year where I was calling out Big East teams for being frauds. So, you know, they were definitely, you know, they were definitely coming right back at me, calling me the fraud this year and my Big East predictions. Cause yeah, we went and did predictions for every game. And please, of course. Don't, go, please don't go look at that episode because 
Hey, everybody God. who wants to go back, uh, we're going to plug it one more time. Scurry in the scrub. Two of my favorite guys, especially in this yeah, version yeah. Just, of the media. Just don't go, don't go, don't go to that <laughs> episode. Don't go to our preseason Big East episode. Unless you want to just Joe, dunk on me. Jordan dunk Scurry on all and Matt DiMaritis. You guys go out and flood that page for sure. <laughs> Please. Or that one was bad. You guys can talk all your junk you want on that mm-hmm. episode. But yeah, no. So I don't know. I just think to the original <laughs> To the original point of uh, looking like forward at the season, like I definitely thought James would be in a posi- better position now. I guess I'll use that as my disclaimer. But I think St. John's, man, like in a, I guess in the terms of calling out who I didn't think was going to be good, but it's definitely like real contender, For, very solid basketball yep. team now. Yeah, I'm like St. John's is nothing to be messed with. Like they're they're mm-hmm. a real legitimate like good team uh that i think we need to gear up for and it would be a good win so yeah no i definitely think this is a game like they just come off the win against uconn so i think at the xl center too which is huge so i think like it's gonna be i think it's gonna be a good game and i think personally just going now to uconn even omaha is a much harder place to play in um so they're gonna still struggle there but and the students are back which is yeah yeah oh yeah factor that in factor that in there you go but i just do i think so i think creighton wins the game if if you want to get to that part but i think that it's going to be it's going to have to be a game like i'm saying like where we're clicking on some type of all cylinders maybe one cylinders out but like we're gonna have to click on a lot of cylinders for this game to go well um and i think it's gonna be I guess a tell sign of how much we've actually learned over the, like the past few games. And I think the past, just especially like, I'm going to say like the past like six, seven games, especially. So we'll see where we at. And if we're actually building, I think from the schedule that's left ahead. Not, not to say that this has happened to the Jays at all, because like, I don't, I'm not in the room. I can't read the guys as well as I maybe would like to, in order to report on them the way that I am. But it just kind of feels like after, which is why like the season's been such a roller coaster ride. Once they got a couple of good games under their belt, I don't want to use the term relax. And that that is not quite what I mean. But I just feel like the Jays come out a little lackadaisical, let's say, or lackadaisical. I don't even know how to properly say that word. I just don't want to see that against a St. John's game that is literally, or a St. John's team that's literally never going to give up. Like, if they're down 15 early, they're going to press. They're going to turn yeah. you over. They're going to find ways to muck up the game and to get themselves back in it. And, Scurry, you know more than anybody else how much momentum plays a factor into college basketball. And that is the kind of thing that I'm a little bit worried about, especially a game at home where you come off these two games, the crowd is going to be absolutely rocking like they always are. Are we going to have the fortitude to be able to be like, hey, we still have a job to do. Let's not lay down. Let's not take anything for granted. We've already lost too many games in this year. Like, let, let's just go ahead and handle our business the best way that we know how. I think, uh, yeah. Do- yeah. yeah. My bad. Yeah, I got you. I got you. You're good. But no, I think, uh, to your point, I think it's unfortunately, like, with a team like Creighton, like, I think they definitely can be punked to a certain extent, right? Um, where it's like when like adversity gets too much, they're able like 
they can do things like, you know, succumb to the pressure of like a press or something like that. But I mm -hmm. think when it comes to uh, a game like this against a St. John's, especially at home, I think they'll be able to get up for it because they know the stakes of this game and like what it means mm -hmm. and what it should mean at least. Yeah. Now, the other part of it too, obviously, is just the fact that, uh, like you mentioned, they're going to be at home. The fans are going to be behind them for sure. Uh, not a lot of teams in the Big East play the style that St. John's play, which is another tricky thing, you know, like when you have like, I feel like every league in the nation have their specific play style. And there's always like one or two or three teams in each league that plays kind of atypical of what that play style is. And St. John's, which is a full court kind of pressing team, like they want high rates of turnovers, they want high possessions, which actually kind of plays in the Jays' favor, in my opinion. But that's only if you're able to handle the press and handle all the stuff that comes with it. So uh, it is definitely a game that we're going to have to be looking out for, for sure. And again, not to look too far ahead, but I'm just so anxious to see that matchup against Xavier at home again in the following game. I know for sure that you were paying attention to that Xavier game uh, when the Jays lost on the road. Kind of give me like a little bit of a too early preview of what you think that game is going to be looking like. Well, that's why, well, to kind of go back to even actually your first point um, is that I think that the St. John's game is going to be such a great indicator because I think from, geez, sorry about that. But I think from no, that game, <laughs> I think from that game, we'll be able to understand like if Creighton's finally at the point where like they don't get rattled by a team like a St. John's who obviously wants to play that, you know, New York guard, gritty defense and mm -hmm. scrappy offense, gaining some points in transition, right? If they can weather that storm, I think we'll learn enough from the St. John's game to give us the confidence that going back into a Xavier game, especially at home, that it's like, okay, here's all the reasons you beat us. You're not going to beat us that way anymore, right? Like, because yeah. I think that's the frustrating thing even, again, about this season is, like, because Mac used to say, I know you say to you guys, you say it to us all the time, was it's just, like, don't be a team that loses the same way twice. Right, yeah. This team has lost the same way twice. Like, <laughs> whether it's, like, a, like, whether it's a defensive issue, offensive issue, whatever it is, they've definitely lost the same way twice um in certain games and I, I guess you can could dispute that argue that as much as you want but I think there's enough to show like the progress wasn't made so I'm looking at this St. John's game to be the game that gives me enough confidence in them that they show me enough progress to okay they're fixing like they got the this is where the defense is coming from off the bench like there's no defensive drop off here's where the bench points are coming from there's a spark off the bench when Cal comes out, the offensive production is still there. Guys are still attacking and kicking. We're taking good open three-point shots. Guys are making the extra pass. Like, if all those things are still true in the next game, like, I'm going to have a lot of confidence uh, for us going into Xavier, and especially at home. Like, that's a game we got to get. Um, and so I'll, I'll have more confidence. But, yeah, I can't look past St. John's until I really even give you how I'm feeling about the uh, Xavier game. Before I let you go, I, I kind of have to get back into this a little bit because you are on the East Coast, you're in the Boston area. There's just such a melting pot of different fan bases out there, especially when it comes to Big East play. I know you've been getting into it with the uh, Houston guys. Don't, don't. Do you really, you really want to go there? Man. I just, I just want to hear your perspective on it because especially 
since UConn beat us for the first time since they moved back to the Big East. Man. I'm sure you've been you've been hearing it. I just kind of want to hear like what you've been kind of going through and your perspective. Man, Man I met if any of you are on Twitter and follow if you've seen the no, <laughs> the no escalators account on Twitter. That's a oh, huge God. uh UConn fan account. I met my man, No Escalators. I don't even know, bro, name, man. Like, I met right. bro at the UConn game. I just seen he had the sweatshirt <laughs> with the sad husky on it. I was like, yo, dope sweatshirt. Dapped yeah. him up. Got to... But anyway, he proceeded. They all wanted to let me know, man. Like, that, they had that one circled for skirt. I thought what I call the UConn game. Circle. UConn and Providence College basketball games for Creighton University, yeah. they are circled for skirt. Because they don't actually <laughs> care. Like, nobody cares about talking shit to anybody on their teams. They just right. – they want to talk it to me. And I will take it. I, first of all, as as – the spokesperson of Creighton University and Creighton basketball that I am, yeah, like we I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it every day. If you want to let them talk junk to me, I'll I'll eat it every day. But anyway, uh-huh. so I've been facing a lot of it because obviously on this podcast, which I'm a huge fan of, I've watched the episode with my man Ryan Kalkbrenner, who you know said he had mm. some things to say or was going to do his thing when he matched up against Sunogo. Uh huh. And you were the one who baited him into it, first of all. Like, my man was going to be humble. My man was going to just say, you know, I don't necessarily agree with, you know, the voters. But, but you know, I'm, I'm going to do my thing this year. That's really what he was probably going to say until you were like, oh, I know you have some opinions and started laughing. So he he decided he was like, okay, I'm going to talk my junk now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this off because I'm <laughs> – so he he was say he said all that, which I still believe. Like you know, I'm I'm also this is documented. Brian Kuckbrenner <laughs> is the next Stephen Adams. If that if I haven't said that on this podcast, he is going to be the best pro of uh-huh. um, any big man in the Big East right now. I'm, I'm pretty positive in saying that. I'll, I'll say that oh, one. You're, but, see, you're setting up the stage for this to get clipped out again and to be used. Oh, they can... That, that one, I'll stand on that. I'll stand... If a, <laughs> Oh, no, you know what? I'll drive it home. I'll drive it Let's home hear further. It. If Adama Sanogo is a better pro than Ryan Kalkbrenner, take this clip and flood it on my Twitter uh-huh. for the rest of my life. Please do. I'd wow. love to be... Uh, yeah, please. I, I, I wouldn't love to be wrong, but I'd Love to see someone try to convince me I'm wrong on this, but anyway, so, anyway. So my problem here, here, is, I, I, I do, I you got to interject. Okay, you. okay, please, bro. Listen to please, me, Oscar. please, I go ahead, you, bro. I Get love this you off. because you you hold me so accountable for all the stuff that I do, even as your elder. Like this has been a relationship that goes back like what six, seven years now, bro. <laughs> Can we set the record straight? I I don't think I baited Kalki into baited saying him. anything. I I you said I know said, you have some choice feelings about that. So give but, us. I know you're not going to give I us the real answer. I, I said I don't want you to pry. I don't want you to dig into the feelings that you're. Bro, bro, okay. Can we be can we be honest here? Because like this is a podcast and it's the most Jays. Oh, let's be honest. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I I have the opinion that Kalki is the best big man in the Big East, even to this day. And I have his back, uh, even though maybe fact. he didn't have the best performance against Sonogo. Sonogo's biggie, yeah. preseason player of the year. Any competitive college basketball player who is in that position is going to say, no, I feel like I should be the biggest preseason player of the year because I did this, because I did that, because I still have the abilities to do this and that. 
I don't hold Kalki responsible for having any of those feelings. Absolutely not. I was just trying my best not for him to say it. And <laughs> I, I, I still well, you got it. Uh, I think. I, I, all right. I think he. I think he. I think he responded to your reverse psychology in the wrong way then because you were like, you were like, I don't want to, that's like, bro, that's like going up to a girl and being like, Hey, look, like, I don't really want your number, but my homies told me that that they give me five out. They buy my next drink. If I came over here to talk to you, you know, you still want the number. Like, you know, you still going to walk away if she gives you your number. So, you know, you're still going to give your answer as if you were prying. Like, you know, Calc was still going to give your answer, his answer as if you were prying. So, anyway, but that's neither here nor there. No, All I'm no, saying, no, no. I, I need to, bro, I need to set the record straight for sure. Calky, I know you're going to see this because they're going to clip it out and they're going to give it to they you. Sure, they're going to send it I to was me. not, I was not, <laughs> so he's going to personally do it. <laughs> I was not trying to get an answer out of you that you didn't want to say. It, it is my humble opinion that I was trying to make sure that we kept it as... Why you know, lie? Why lie? No, bro, because th- here's the thing that I love about being able to have your own podcast and all that stuff, right? Like, it's this great, is the thing it? that I love. It, it's awesome, and I know I know you can attest to this, right? You can kind of lead a uh, conversation to the direction that you want it to go, for sure. And then the other part, like, I, I love these guys. I see them as my baby brothers, like just like I did you, just like I, I did all the other guys that came behind me. I appreciate the work that gets put into being a Korean Blue Jays basketball player, like the scrutiny that comes with not performing well. I never want to put these guys in a situation where they kind of maybe, you know, shoot themselves in the foot or put their own foot in their mouth, whatever, you know, phrase you want to use in that particular situation, right? So, like, when I saw that clip circulating, I was like, damn, like, I didn't want it to happen on this podcast specifically, but but it, it kind of did. But I mean, go bro? back to, like, huh? Okay, no, keep going. I'm, I'm right. Keep no, finished. I, I, I'm, I don't want to interrupt. That I, I just kind of go back to, like, what I was saying before as far as, like, guys, let's be honest. This is what all these athletes think about themselves. If these right. guys want to be as good as they can be and survive at the next level – you have to have that attitude about yourself. Definitely. Like, for example, you, you don't Definitely. think Ryan Nemhard thinks he's the best point guard. You don't think Travis M thinks he's the best shooting guard in the yeah. league. You don't think Arthur thinks he's the best 3-4. Oh. Same with Baylor. Like, I mean, all these guys think that, and they have to, and that's where success comes from, you know? Okay. Now, okay. we, it, us in the media, now, if they say it out loud or hint to that, we throw stones at them, like, oh, you shouldn't say that. You should have a little bit more tact about yourself. But... Look, LeBron James isn't LeBron James without the mentality that he has. Michael Jordan wasn't Michael Jordan without obviously the mentality that we have. And now years down the line, we praise Michael Jordan for punching Steve Curry in the face and having that type of mentality. Like, hey, you're going to practice the way I want you to practice, and we're going to win these championships. You know what I mean? Right. So, so I Right. But I think my only problem is you just, you're just you not standing on the fact that like you were prying <laughs> good information out of my man. Like, I would have done – all right, here's – Here's where we are. I think we agree. And then here's where I'll tell you I think we disagree on this. And then okay, we can actually year. move somewhere. Where I think yeah. we agree is that, like, exactly what you're saying. First of all, if Ryan Kalkbrenner was my big man and he did not get on your podcast and say that he – because I was talking crazy. I was mm-hmm. like, a, he's the player of the year over my guy? Like, my guy? <laughs> no. Because no. I feel the same way. That's my little right. bro, too. Like, how – I don't even know him. I, I've met him once – on his visit to Creighton when I was there. That was really it. Mm-hmm. But that's still my guy. Like, doesn't matter. Right. And so the point is, like, 
I want him to come on your podcast and talk like that. And specifically your podcast. That's why I'm like, I don't know why you're saying like, oh, I, I try not to pry. No, pry. Like, if you're good, bro, this is where we are the ambassadors of this Creighton just, you know, culture is where it's mm-hmm. like, no, we want dudes to come to Creighton to talk their talk like that. Because I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want, I honestly don't like, I, I don't care about whatever. So <laughs> I don't want you to come to Creighton. If you're not going to have that kind of mentality where if someone's picked over you in the play of the year and you're in the conversation, if you're not going to jump on one of our podcasts and be like, hey, you know what? Should have been me. Like, whatever. Because mm-hmm. you know what I can't wait for? When we beat UConn's butt in the, like, March Madness or later in the year and the same fans that were clipping up, whatever, oh, just big, that that game. Yeah, You know what? No, it's great about that one game that you guys are so excited about you're one in five against us like you're one in five that's your one and we have way more important basketball to play the rest of this year so let's keep that same energy keep them (laughs) same podcast clips available the same media that's there the same way that these players feel because at the end of the day exactly what you're talking about the way he felt then still persists through and i'm excited to see what that actually means like this is where i'm like I disagree because I'm like it's. I'm glad he said it on your podcast, because and I'm glad he feels that way because that gives right. me more confidence going into the later half of this year and when basketball is going to matter even more. So he's got that in his brain now. These guys like are wired like that, and that's the kind of dudes we're getting at Creighton now. So I love it. Like I love yeah. all of it. I'm just busting your chops because like obviously <laughs> they they're busting my chops for how he was like you know talking his junk and that but it's one game it's one regular right. season game we beat y'all in a playoff game like come to me when the stakes are winner go home and then mm-hmm. talk to me after but we we got some season left baby i'm ready let's we, go and, and we got a good bit of season left and it, and that's what like been so weird about like this season so far like the pendulum has swung so far back oh and yeah forth that we kind of feel like it's towards the end if you look at the schedule we're literally just getting this thing started and like you said at the very beginning of the show, the Jays are kind of getting their mojo together and, and playing the right way and playing together. So I know just like I am that you're super excited about, you know, the process of how the Jays are going to be ending the season. And, uh, you know, we'll be right here to cover it all for you for sure. Skr, skr, bro. Dude. Oh God, we need to figure it out. this. We got to do this I, more. We got to do this I, more, I, man. I missed you this past summer, bro. We need to figure it out so we could actually like do like, obviously meet up face to face, hang out, catch up all that good stuff. But have like an interaction like this. Talk about Jay's basketball. Oh, 100%. Like, 100%. That, that let's try to let's try to get something. I don't mean to tease anything while we're still, you know, live on the pod, mm-hmm. but I'd love to do something. We could get a in-person podcast maybe this summer, catch up, even just if there's no ball going on or anything. Talk about how yeah. your season was, that kind of thing. So, man, you know I'm here. Hit me. Let's get on the schedule. At the very least, I got to be on Scurry in the Scrub this year. Like, I I asked – me and Matt already talked about it when he was on the podcast. He's been texting me this past week for no sure. Way. Like, that is something that we need to figure out. It, the time zone always hey, kind of makes it difficult, obviously. That, but I'm, now, just, I'm just so glad that we have the lines of communication where it now, might happen. Now that you're such this, like, polished and esteemed, like, <laughs> podcast host, we're going to need you. We're going to need you for our, like, NCAA tournament episodes to come on and, like, mediate us. Because, like, you know me, man, like, especially during, like, post, like, you give me Big East games, you give me NCAA tournament games, I'm already drunk by the end of the game. Yeah. I'm on 10. I'm on 10. (laughs) So, Matt's, like, 
Yo, you're trying to do this podcast, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. But I'm kind of <laughs> wilding out right now. Like I'm, I'm red in the face. I'm, I've been screaming. I kind of lost my voice. Like, am I still cool to get on the podcast? And he's like, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, yeah. all right. Like, so now we need to get you in there to like mediate. So when I go off on my drunk rants, you can help, like, you know, calm me down a little bit. I, I'm looking up uh, the current schedule right now. Hey, let me try and get on your podcast after the Xavier game. Like, I'm going to text Matt. Obviously, you and I are texting, too. So let's just try to figure it out. I think it'll be a perfect one, obviously, the rematch, like, a, of a top 25 team. Uh, maybe at that point, we'll be getting a little bit more votes, even though I just think because of Jays and how this season started, uh, I just don't feel like the voters are just going to yeah. give them a lot at this point right now. But if we're able to, like, pull, this will be, like, a fourth win in a row if they're able to beat St. Jonathan and beat Xavier. Bro, I would love to be on. Oh, here let's do it. Talk, talk. We'll that lock mess. you in. We'll let, lock you in right now. See. We'll text yeah, when we get bro. off of here, man. But yeah, always a pleasure to jump on here with you, man. I love this. We got to do this more. We got to do like week check-ins or something. We got to start some Twitter polls or something. Like yeah. we, we got to get creative. We'll get there. My guy, Skurry Skurry, Jordan Scurry was on the podcast with us today. Make sure to like and subscribe to the Steelers 68 Media Network. My guy, Scurry, is there any last word that you want to say for Jays fans who are listening to the uh, Feel of 68? Welcome to the Jay podcast. Roll Jays always, man, and stay the course. Always stay the Absolutely. course. Absolutely. Always stay the course. As we always like to end our show here, we like to say, go Jays. Go Jays. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.